0: You're listening to The Not another wrestling podcast. Alright, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of The Not another wrestling podcast. Holy shit. Shit, what a week. What a week. we. I will get into later about how... bad Raw was on Monday. My bad decisions of regretting of watching that fucking shit show. There are only two good things about that entire thing. Money in the Bank was actually a lot of fun. AEW was fun. And there's some spoilers for NXT for the next couple weeks because it's being taped. But the big fucking talking point happening right now... Right now is that... CM Punk... And Daniel Bryan, now I guess going by Brian Danielson, because WWE owned that trademark to that name, have reportedly signed to AEW. And for this portion of the podcast, I have brought over a, uh, a guy who's been on the podcast quite a few times, if you know him. I'm welcoming back my best friend, Eduardo Falcone. How you doing, man?
1: I'm doing well. I'm glad to be back on the show. And yeah, this is amazing news for AEW if it comes to fruition.
0: It absolutely is. Now, um, Ed's not going to be on the podcast for the entire time like he has been in the past. um, Because he's not really following up to date with current pro wrestling. Just a little things here and there. He hears something. Maybe he'll ask me about something. But he doesn't cover it like I do. The reason why I have him here is because he was watching pro wrestling. Him and I watched pro wrestling religiously together. And he was watching around the time when CM Punk and Daniel Bryan were on top in WWE. Um... So, Ed, for a LAPS fan like you, uh, AEW hasn't really gotten your attention. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, no, it's a fair statement. But if they manage to, to get Punk, I may, I may watch a show or two. I mean, who wouldn't?
0: I mean, absolutely. You have a guy like CM Punk who was like the biggest star in WWE at one point, And then Daniel Bryan, who was the biggest star in WWE, literally right after him. So let's just go into this this news story and how this all broke. First, let's talk about uh, let's talk about CM Punk here because he was the first one that broke. Okay, so originally it was reported by Sean Rossab of Fightful that CM Punk was in uh, talks uh, for an in-ring return, and AEW was the top runner of those uh, companies between, uh, I guess, New Japan and WWE, perhaps. So, according to Ringside News, as sent by my good friend and always, forever co-host Sean McChesney, what's up, buddy? Uh, CM Punk hasn't wrestled since January 2014. This is the article of Ringside News. But he has, but he is about to break that streak. He's considering a return to pro wrestling, and we have some new information about how far along the deal really is. It was previously noted by Fightful Select that AEW is most likely landing. Uh, Landing pad for CM Punk. Ringside News can confirm that the talks are very far along at this point. In fact, we are told it's pretty much a, quote, done deal. A source has confirmed to us that CM Punk's arrangement to work for AEW is a, quote, done deal right now. At this point, they are, quote, waiting until they are in person to sign the contract. Uh, Also says CM Punk's debut time frame was not confirmed, but it would be hard to believe that AEW would pass up the opportunity to involve the Second City Saint at All Out in Chicago if they can. Unless CM Punk pulls out of the deal, it appears that this will go through as planned. So let's talk about this for a few minutes here, Ed. When you and I were watching wrestling, CM Punk, at least when we got back into wrestling, I should say, because you and I kind of fell out for a long time. CM Punk was the guy who brought me back. And is it fair to say he brought you back, too? At least to catch that, up once in a while?
1: For, for, for that time, absolutely. The Undertaker match definitely caught my attention. So, uh, yeah. It was, we were, that we was were at that WrestleMania. I definitely was. I had the whole storyline, up to it. So, I was watching everything.
0: So the guy, obviously... Now, now think back at the roster at that point. More people were watching Raw and Smack. Well, Raw, because I don't think they had the brand split again at that point. But more people were watching WWE programming, and the roster, it's not like what it is now. It's not like when they have all these amazing indie darlings that they've signed over the years, like guys like Samoa Joe and Johnny Gargano and AJ Styles, and you know they had some of them, but not all of them. I mean, the biggest indie darlings that they had in the company, I'd have to say, were Punk and Bryan at the time. Punk, obviously, with his longest reign of the WWE Championship in the modern era. We mentioned his WrestleMania match against The Undertaker. Um, you know, the all the matches he had, like his lead up to the build of uh, his first title win at Money in the Bank with that amazing match of, with John Cena and the story where he was said he was legitimately leaving. So for those who don't remember, CM Punk, he had left the WWE after the Royal Rumble of 2014, uh, he goes to do a big in depth podcast about why he left the w- WWE um, and with Cole Cabana, who's no longer his friend. But think about this for a second, Ed. CM Punk hasn't been on national television in a wrestling capacity since 2014. It's almost. Dave. Some people might think it's not that long ago, but but it is. He
1: was on that Fox wrestling show, wasn't he? And that was on
0: well, TV. Fox wa- that was FS1, and that was WWE backstage. Um, that was more from an analytic standpoint, where uh, Fox wanted CM Punk for the show, but they needed the approval of WWE. WWE said okay, but that didn't mean he was coming back to the ring. He was just kind of watching the product, and he was just like you know giving his thoughts and opinions on certain people. So we see this and we all kind of thought, "Oh, maybe he's coming back to the ring." It never did. But we haven't seen CM Punk wrestle an like a match in a huge capacity crowd since the Royal Rumble of 2014, and therefore he has just not gone back to the ring. At A national level that is cuz he's a show, she's shown up at a few indie shows here and there, but nobody knew it was Punk.
1: Well, do what, you think, well, let me ask you this since it's been a long time you brought up the time frame do you think he's going to be rusty? Or is it something that he'll just be coming back nice and smooth to?
0: I think he could. Obviously, I think he'll be a little rusty. I mean, considering the guy hasn't wrestled a full-length match in in years, since not since 2014, I would think he'd need some time to adjust a little bit. But I think he'll get back into it very, very quickly. Uh, considering this, I mean, CM Punk, I think, is the most polarizing figure in pro wrestling, I'd say, in the past 10, 15 years, maybe even 20, because to this day, crowds still chant, or they would chant before COVID, and they haven't chanted them yet, but they would chant for the longest time, CM Punk, CM Punk, CM Punk, at the McMahons, at at shitty segments and matches that they didn't care about, uh, hot WrestleMania, post-Mania crowds would chant CM Punk. Like, the guy still had all this popularity as a wrestler, even though he wasn't an active wrestler anymore. That's a huge deal, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. It's been, It was going on years and years. And it's still, I mean, if there were crowds back in the WWE shows, I'm sure you'll still get those CM Punk chants once in a while.
0: I have to imagine like the next time you see maybe Triple H or or uh maybe not Triple H maybe like a, a Stephanie or or a Vince McMahon uh you know out at the crowd at this point and punk signing pen to paper you know we're going to get CM Punk chance and for the first time it's seeming like we're going to get CM Punk chance for the right reason because he's showing up um what would you say? Uh, I mean, obviously, we have to assume Punk would probably be more of a part timer. I would think, because he is forty three years old.
1: He'll be a part timer, but I think even as a part timer, that that would be enough to cement AEW and give it some solid competition against WWE. I mean, I think it may put him on top. Haven't they been on top as of late?
0: I would say they have been on top as far as consistent storytelling, in-ring quality matches, and just genuinely great entertaining television, whereas WWE's television for Raw, for the most part, has just been god-awful because of COVID. AEW has still been able to put out a solid uh, show every single week and and really solid to great matches and pay-per-views even when COVID was still going on, it's it's astounding because I've said this many times on this podcast before that if AEW can do really great stuff, even with no fans or limited fans, why can't WWE do the same? That's what it goes to show me.
1: So This news should actually make WWE nervous because if they were already doing well before they got Punk, imagine how much they're going to do with them.
0: I th- Did you say WWE or AEW?
1: Uh, AEW was doing well before WWE. Okay.
0: Mm. But but yes, AEW was doing well. I mean, the best storyline, I think, in all of pro wrestling at the moment is the Hangman Page and Kenny Omega story for the AEW world title. I mean, you have guys who are there right now, like, like a Chris Jericho and, and Christian Cage, Matt Hardy, Sting. Like They're all there, but they're not taking anything away from the rest of the talent. And they're trying to elevate everybody. Like Sting is appears every week on on Dynamite, but he's not wrestling a match. He but he's doing something. And I think Punk could obviously it could help guys like like your Darby Allen's and Jungle Boys, MJF's, and the the newer generation of uh, of, of you know for the next years of professional wrestling. And then obviously we have our dream matches like we want to see like a CM Punk versus Kenny Omega, CM Punk versus Darby Allin, CM Punk versus uh MJF, a rematch of Chris Jericho some Christian Cage again, you know, CM or Punk, uh, Daniel Bryan. Uh, Daniel Bryan, uh, we will see and we will get to him in a second, you know, CM Punk how John Moxley is now. I mean it's it's no secret that when a wrestler who leaves WWE comes to AEW nine times out of ten, they're doing immensely better than they were in their WWE career, at least from where they were at the point from when they left. So the, 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 the timetable here is looking like they're probably going to debut him in Chicago, and that's a no-fucking-brainer right there. He's you from Chicago. To. You
1: have no choice. They're going to sell out if their fans are back. It's going to be the biggest pop. I don't know ever, you think you would think, right? The uh, yeah,
0: problem. I would think it'd be the I would think it would be the loudest reaction of any wrestler returning. Now, I think of my two oh my god, holy shit moments in wrestling happened with within recent memory. The first was when the Hardy's returned to WrestleMania thirty three and I lost my fucking mind because you you know just like anybody else who knows me. The Hardys are my favorite tag team ever. I was a huge Jeff Hardy fan growing up. I mean, you know, like I I would fucking do every move there is, and I'd like fucking, as you say, hump the air that Jeff Hardy does, twirling his move, move, move moving his fucking hands. But but Jeff Hardy was the coolest fucking guy when we were kids. We loved Jeff Hardy, so and seeing the Hardy Boys back together was genuinely a great moment the next is when edge returned to the Royal rumble last year and i, I nearly cried because i'm like oh my god like he shouldn't be here and he is it's amazing so those are great comeback stories especially the edge story but a guy like cm punk where the demand for somebody has been here for so long and he just he never came back he never came back he never came back like not even fans would chant for, like, Austin to come back or, or for Rock to come back at a full time. That's why I think he's the most polarizing figure in all of pro wrestling.
1: He has the hardcore fans love him, and AEW's got majority hardcore fans, so...
0: Yeah, and, and this is a very great opportunity to them to, to sway viewers who are kind of done with WWE's bullshit. But speaking of WWE, let's get into the guy who never left up until fairly recently. Let's get into Daniel Bryan, who I guess we should start getting used to calling him Bryan Danielson, but I guess until he's an AEW, let's just keep calling him Daniel Bryan. So, another guy, who you were you and I were both watching, who were seeing his rise to superstardom all the way to his main event match at WrestleMania 30, when he won the World Championship, defeating all three members of Evolution in one night at WrestleMania. It's, I would say it's, what would you say is more shocking?
1: CM Punk for Daniel Bryan?
0: Yes, considering Bryan's time in WWE, he's been there for a while, and you know, you figured he'd be there until he retires. That's not the case.
1: I, I, you know, it, you know, CJ, that's a good point. With CM Punk, it's surprising, but at the same time, it's not because you knew if he was going to come back, it was going to be there. It yeah. was going to be there. We just didn't know it was going to. Happen. We didn't even know if he was going to come back. But we knew if he did, it was going to be a W. With Brian, on the other hand, yeah, I thought he was going to stay there. I mean, he took so much abuse and disrespect from the company throughout the years. You would have thought, okay, you know, he didn't leave before. Why would he leave now? Overall, not, not I, I mean,
0: Daniel Bryan has had an amazing WWE career. I mean, it started off slow in the beginning. You know, he just seemed like a, you know, white meat plucky, you know, Babyface, but you go back and look at his Ring of Honor career as Brian Danielson, the American Dragon. Like this guy was like the guy in the independent pro wrestling scene. It was it was Brian Danielson, the American Dragon. Like his his matches with CM Punk and excuse me Samoa Joe. Uh, I mean, there's that there's that <laughs> there's that awesome video of him and Joe working an indie show. And Joe keeps going and in, digging into the corner. And then the ref's like, Wag, get off the corner. One, two, three, four. And, and Joe keeps interrupting him before. He, he's like, I got till five. I got till five. And Joe keeps doing it and doing it. And then eventually, Brian is able to get the better of Joe, switches him in the corner, and then he starts chopping the shit. And Bah, 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 and like really going ham on Joe. And the referee's like, one, two, three, four. And Brian just gets in his face and screams, fuck five. And then just starts smacking Samoa Joe and chopping him again. And that's just a glimpse of Daniel Bryan's indie career. But as time went on, you know, he went on to being like, you know, with Team Hell No with Kane. And he started doing all this stuff where he's starting to get over with the Yes Chan is starting to get over with him as a baby face. Uh, you know, he, the, like we mentioned, the storyline of him leading into, uh, f- facing Triple H and Batista and Randy Orton one night being in WrestleMania. We all know that story. And even like, one of my most favorite iterations of Daniel Bryan recently, you're not, I don't think you really know too much about this, Ed, but when he turned heel and he won the title, the last time he won the title, he changed the title and made it look like, uh, like a plant-based WWE championship because, you know, the the title's made from leather and he's like, because he, he's a vegan and all that. And, he had this amazing heel, heel character where he puts over Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania 35 where Kofi wins the championship. And now the roles are reversed. Brian is calling Kofi a B-plus player. But Kofi wins and the story is beautiful. It's So all the stuff you figured he would just kind of just, you know, I'm going to stick around WWE.
1: Full of Randy Orton, you
0: know. It's just stated Yeah, yeah. Randy Orton, another guy. I mean, a little different. But Randy Orton's been there for years and years and years. Ever since he was a kid, he grew up in this system. So for Daniel Bryan, he has been outspoken in years past. Like when his contract has was going to expire in the past, that he very much wants to work in Mexico. He very much wants to work in Japan. And Dave Meltzer of Wrestling Observer has stated that he was going to stay with the company that was going to have that. Go with the company that has um, the Japan connection. It was said that uh, Bodyslam.net was the one who covered this whole story and said that Brian was going to be signing with AEW or has confirmed to sign with AEW. And it seems like the show he's going to be debuting in is the September 22nd show uh, in Flushings, Queens, New York. And Sean keeps texting me whether or not if I want to go to that show, the Newark show. I'm like, dude, we already have these tickets. I don't know if we want to. I, I need to save money. <laughs> We've had these tickets since last year. I don't know if we want to. Plus, the tickets that we have are better. Another story for another time. But the point is, that would be a good way to try and entice people to buy tickets if they haven't bought them already. Um, but a while ago, there was a thing with like Nick Kahn, the new, uh, vice president of... Uh, of uh, of uh, WWE, not Tony Khan. Tony Khan's the president of AEW. I'm explaining this to Ed, people, because he's kind of just like, again, in the loop. I'm, of... a,
1: I'm, a, I'm not even a casual. I barely know. I just remember a few things.
0: So for those of you who understand what I'm saying, like, why are you explaining this? I'm explaining it to Ed, okay? Bear with me. So there's a vice president named Nick Khan who was trying to get a partnership with AEW, uh, sorry, not AEW, with New Japan for Wrestling, and Nick Khan works for WWE. Tony Khan is the president of of AEW, and he already has a standing relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So Brian was going to go wherever he could go to get to Japan. Now, if COVID wasn't happening, the reports were saying he would have signed with he would have went with New Japan already. D- Meltzer was speculating he's like I don't he's like I don't see him staying in a hotel room for the Tokyo for two weeks, Tokyo Dome for two weeks, only to have a match in you know in the Tokyo Dome. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like AEW is already working with New Japan, so it makes sense for him to do that. So, Brian is now going to be signed too. So, Ed, when you hear the things of him saying that he has other aspirations of, you know, wanting a little more creative freedom, wanting him to work less states for more substantial money, because he is a father, he has two kids, he's getting a little older, he just, I think he just turned 40 recently, um, and he wants to work in Mexico and Japan, what do, you, what do you take from that?
1: Best place to go is AEW, and he made the right decision. He's going to get exactly what he wanted. And he knows he is, because look at Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho pretty much got everything he wanted and more from that company.
0: I mean, Jericho is a great example of that, because Jericho is a guy who he was working with New Japan before AEW was even a thing, and even after AEW became a thing, he still got to work with New Japan. John Moxley is another example that he was working with. He had signed with New Japan before he signed with AEW, but AEW was still a thing when when he let his contract expire from WWE. So it's not uncommon that a partnership could be a thing because we've we've I've on Dynamite we've seen some eight uh, some uh some Impact and some New Japan guys pop in here and there on Dynamite and vice versa. So obviously, when AEW is the company that where everybody is working with everybody, and Brian has aspirations of working with everybody from everywhere. He's gonna go there because that whole side of the other side of the river has all these all this talent that he hasn't gotten to work with or hasn't worked with in a long time. Whereas WE it's like, I've worked with everybody there is. Like what else am I gonna do?
1: Exactly. No, he's gonna have a lot he can work with a bunch of new people, like you said, but I did want to ask you this sure. uh, before I have to leave. So what do you think is going to happen when Punk? Do you think he's going to be cordial towards WWE? Do you think he's going to be insulting? I mean, he does. Even though he says there's no bad blood, they did fire him on his wedding day. They did insult him in Chicago in front of the fans. I would. Left. I would How say think he's going to come back.
0: I think maybe, uh, maybe when he cuts a promo, he might. I, I'm fully expecting him to cut a hell of a pipe on promo. I don't know if he'll really take a whole lot of shots at WWE or not, but I have to imagine there might be some here and there, just just a little jabs. Um, who knows? But honestly, I'm just Punk. Literally, just has to show up in Chicago and say nothing, and it'll be the greatest return ever.
1: So you don't think AEW will, will use his WWE? Uh, resentment as a as fuel to to boost their ratings. You don't think they have to do
0: that? No, they don't have to do that because the talent pool is there for them. Because they haven't needed to really take shots at WWE so much on TV for them to get their product across and and their point across. Now, those of you might be listening, like, oh, what about Eddie Kingston talking shit about WWE after uh, after Dynamite or or Tony Khan recently saying, oh, we don't have a performance center, we have AEW Dark or Dark Elevation, whatever the hell he said. Look, off screen. Yeah, they've done. They've taken shots here and there. Honestly, you don't need to take shots. I mean, if you want to do it to pop the fans or whatever, that's fine. But I don't think Punk's resentment for WWE... Honestly, I don't think it's there anymore. And I just think if he's coming in, he just wants to come in, get back in the ring, and work for a company that seems to be doing really well, making a lot of money, or is on the rise of making a lot of money, and he can be a part of it, and he can help make uh, young guys... Feel like larger than life superstars. And I think that's why Brian and Punk are there. Also, the creative freedom. The creative freedom is a big thing. And that's what everybody who went from WWE to AEW says that is the biggest change and the best change that you have is creative freedom.
1: And the talent is there. He doesn't have to worry about getting hurt, uh, like he, like he complained about the wrestlers in WWE that hurt him in the past.
0: Yeah, I mean, if he needs, if he needs time off, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm hurt. I need some time off. Oh, okay, okay, Phil, go, Punk, go, 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 ahead. When, when do you say you'll be ready? Oh, the doctor said I'll be ready about a month or so.
1: We'll see you in a month. <laughs> now let's not get ahead of ourselves. But do you think maybe AJ Lee will follow?
0: That's another really good point there. Um, I would have to say, I would say yes, because I feel like when she left WWE, she really only left because there was bad blood between the company and punk because that's her husband. And it probably was very awkward that she had to go there and work there because of of how bad the, 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 uh, uh, the separation of the two of the two parties that were. I also think she also misses wrestling. I think she's hinted at some things here and there, but she's never gone back to wrestling because her because Punk probably just didn't had wanted nothing to do with it. I think AJ Lee would be a very great asset to the AEW
1: women's roster though. Absolutely. Yeah, nice package deal for them. They would just be getting all these superstars.
0: I would think so. And that is if AJ wants to if of she course. wants to or she has the time because I'm pretty sure, like, I mean, she's an, she's a, she's an author now. She's written a couple books. I'm pretty sure there's a show being made about her, if not already made about her. From like, uh, "My Crazy Is My Superpower," whatever. I remember a TV show is being made about that. I, 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 so she could, she might not have the time to do it. At least not right now. But that's good, man. I actually forgot about AJ, and that's a good point that you brought up.
1: You forgot about it. You were one of her biggest. Hits. Dude,
0: I loved AJ, but listen, there's a lot of there's a lot of shit going on in wrestling in the like the past. I don't know how many fucking years since you stopped watching wrestling that I'm keeping up with. I love AJ. I I, I honestly I hope she does. I I hope when Punk comes, I hope sometimes she comes down down the line and really helps elevate that women's roster. But overall, how, this is how I would do Punk debuting in AEW. Have him debut on the Wednesday night Dynamite before the all-out pay-per-view because that will make people buy the pay-per-view. Because if you do it when he shows up at the pay-per-view, um, you're not going to get the buy rates. Right people like, oh my God, Punk was on TV. Like, What would you do, Ed? Would you have Punk be a surprise at a pay-per-view or would you have him be a surprise on free TV?
1: I wouldn't surprise it because you want people to come, right? So you would want to probably advertise that he's going to be there so you can really fill that out.
0: And you're talking about the pay-per-view, right?
1: Yeah. Just want people to know that he's going to show up because you know with Edge, I mean, sure, you're going to you get the surprise, you get the emotions running, but people may not come if they don't know if he's going to be there or not. That's the thing
0: you- and he was reported to be back, but I was one of those people I'm like there's no fucking way Edge is returning to wrestling. There's no way.
1: And he did. So with this, I would think from a business standpoint, they would just want to say, "Hey, CM Punk's going to be here. Come see him." I mean, they want to they want to sell out for sure.
0: Yeah, I think for the pay per view, they do that. Anyway, man, we're keeping here for a little over twenty five minutes. Going to be getting into the rest of the podcast real quickly in just a few in just a minute. Ed, thank you so much for coming on, man.
1: Glad to be here. Thank you. All right.
0: Welcome back to the next part of the podcast. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun having Ed on. Buddy, thank you so much for coming on. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I guess I'll get a little bit more into CM Punk Daniel Bryan. I mean, I got to say, man, what a time it is to be a wrestling fan right now. I mean, AEW is just killing it with their television programming. They're already just doing the best weekly television show every single week and arguably the best pro wrestling in the world. I mean, some people, some of you guys are like, "Oh, no, it's New Japan." I'm like, "Listen, I haven't really been able to watch New Japan this year, so to me, the wrestling that I'm currently watching, it's AEW. That's that what it is to me." Anyway, just I mean, for those of you who may not know, CM Punk was was and is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. You could obviously you could I could arguably say he's my favorite ever. Um, and the fact that he could be—he's coming back to AEW. It's important. that He's well, not coming back to AEW, but coming back to wrestling and in AEW. I mean, the dream matches we could see for Punk and Bryan—that—that uh, that is definitely an episode that we're going to be doing here on the podcast. We will definitely have a uh, CM Punk Top 10 Dream dream Matches and uh, Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson Top 10 Dream Matches in AEW slash New Japan though because uh, we get a lot of people in New Japan and AEW that we could do for, for Punk and Bryan but we'll get into that anyway we have a lot more to get into in the podcast so let's just get into uh, let, let's, let's just can we get the bad out of the way I guess can we All right, so Monday Night Raw happens, and um, John Cena is there to pretty much just pop a rating. Cena's there because he's here to talk about his time with, oh, it's the fans who brought me back. It was you guys who brought me back to the WWE, and this and that. And it was a fine promo. It was a good promo from Cena. It was actually really great to see John Cena back. Um, And then he had a little bro-off with uh, with Matt Riddle, and then it led to a little fun six-man tag match. Um, it's just... I'm I'm really just preparing you all. I know a while ago I said that I wasn't going to be covering Raw on the podcast really that often anymore. And I'm probably not going to anymore if, if shit keeps happening like this. I only watched because it was the first Monday Night Raw with fans back in attendance. That's the only reason why I watched. So anyway, we had a, um... We had a segment with Charlotte's, uh, you know, uh, championship coronation after Money in the Bank. And, you know, the Trout was chanting, we want Becky. And then she says, Becky's at home breastfeeding. And Becky Lynch later tweeted saying, even while I'm home breastfeeding, I'm still the most over woman in the entire company. I'm the most over person in the entire company. Yes, Becky Lynch, you are. Please come back very, very soon. We miss you. Um so that later led to a match between Charlotte and Rhea later on in the night. Again. Um, I guess I'll briefly talk about Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. Uh, I'm kind of going to jump back and forth between Money in the Bank and Raw. Um, the match between Charlotte and Rhea was really good. Uh, better than what the story was preparing us for. I don't like that Charlotte had won, but I guess it all worked out for the best with Nikki Ash. Nikki Ash cashing in the following night. Um, I like that; it was fun. Really, the only things that was good about Raw, Splash Monday, was uh, the cash in and then Cena. That, that's that's literally it. Other than that, it was the same old shit with fans, just fans in attendance. That, that's really it. Because we're gonna get o- o- AJ and Omas defending the raw attacking Paddles against Viking Raiders uh, again. Uh, we're <laughs> you know Elias and Jackson Riker was absolutely horrible. No one gave a shit. They piped in cheers for Jackson Riker. No one gives a fuck about Jackson Riker. Um, <laughs> it's it's absolutely insane to me. So. But let me get into the big thing in this podcast. Let 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 me get into the big chunk of news that happened from this this episode of Raw. NXT champion Karrion Cross was shown a promo that he was going to be making his Raw debut tonight, and I'm like, oh, okay, Cross is getting called up, I guess. Karrion Cross comes in. If you recall from his dark match, quote unquote, from main event. Where he his entrance was completely stripped down and he didn't have Scarlet and nothing, it was just a bland entrance. It was pretty much that, but the, the lights were darker. So WWE had Karrion Cross. Already this is going off to a bad start. Karrion Cross, NXT champ comes out with the NXT championship, and he doesn't have his his manager doesn't have Scarlet. He doesn't have his uh, his cool entrance. He doesn't have that mystique that makes Carrion Cross Carrion Cross. And then Jeff Hardy comes out to No More Words, and all right, cool, fuck, fuck yeah, Jeff Hardy, No More Words. We just saying before with Ed like how much I love Jeff Hardy as a kid. Um, but Jeff Hardy's been kind of treated like a jobber, you know, for the past year or so, and he hasn't been booked the best. Jeff Hardy. Gave NXT Champion Karrion Cross his first loss in WWE, and he did it with a roll up, with his feet on the ropes. What the fuck did I just watch? Is what I said to myself. Why the fuck do you call up Karrion Cross the main roster with the NXT Championship? Get rid of his of his manager. Strip away and take away his his entrance and make everything that's good about the guy and take it all away. Why the fuck would you do that? What what? It just it it just fucks up all the continuity that's going on with NXT. And I'm like, yo, bro, the fuck are you doing, man? What 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 are you what are you doing? Why are you taking this? Apparently, the report from Sean Ross is that this is Vince's way of saying no one cares about NXT and he's mad because they didn't win the Wednesday Night Wars against fucking AEW. I mean, this is the main reason why nobody cares about NXT, why LAPS fans won't watch NXT, because why should someone watch NXT, get invested in a wrestler, get invested in the story and everything that you're putting into this wrestler only for them to be buried essentially when they get called up the main roster. They get their three week push and then they get fucking buried or in Karrion Cross's case gets buried right away. I'm 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 astounded by this. I'm just real I'm, I'm 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 cross, you could say. Pissed for all my you know, American listeners and who are in the UK. That's for all my UK fans out there. Um just it's it's unbelievable, man. Karrion Cross might not be the best wrestler in the world, but he's got this really great, unique look, and he's got this mystique with the entrance. Like that fucking entrance is everything, man. If you can captivate someone with an entrance, you're hooked. It doesn't matter how good you are in the ring. I'm like, oh, I, I want my eyes are glued to this dude. But no, we can't have nice things, can we, WWE? The other thing that happened this this night, this past Monday on Raw. Bobby Lashley lays out an open challenge. And who answers that open challenge other than a returning Keith Lee? Hometown boy Keith Lee. They're in Fort Worth, Texas. Keith Lee's uh, hometown. And I got so excited. I'm like, yes, Keith Lee is back. I've missed Keith Lee. We haven't seen Keith Lee in months. It's great that he's doing well. He looks great. And he essentially jobs out to make Bobby Lashley look good. I mean he got some offense here and there and he broke out of the hurt lock and all that and just but really he was there to make Bobby Lashley look good. I'm just like, no, what are you doing to Keith Lee? What are you doing to my boy? Look how they massacred my boy. I mean, I guess they really massacred Karrion Cross more than Keith Lee. But Jesus Christ, man, what are you doing? Why would Out of all the wrestlers in the entire roster? Why, if you're going to put somebody in that position, why would you do it to somebody who's making his return after several months of not being seen on TV and not knowing where he is? Why would you do that to Keith Lee? Why can't you do that to literally anybody else? Literally anybody else. Like, you could have fucking thrown Xavier Woods in that situation. You could have thrown Xavier Woods in that situation and have him be demolished like Kofi Kingston was you could have done that oh my god but Keith Lee gets 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 you know I don't want to say buried because he just came back but it's not looking good so far for his return and then you know they're standing out in the ring MVP and, and Bobby Lashley and then Goldberg comes back the, the crowd pop and they're like, oh my God, Goldberg, Goldberg, Goldberg. The crowd was loving it. I was not. I mean, for fuck's sake, man, why do you have to have Goldberg come back for championship matches? I was saying, I, was, I don't remember who I was saying this to the other day, but I was saying that every Goldberg in every match that he's returned to in the past year. Has been a championship match. It's at whatever fucking Saudi Arabia show that was, Super Showdown, whatever it was, Crown Jewel, or I don't know what the fuck these fucking shows are called. I hate these Saudi shows. They're, they're blood money. This is the blood money show to me. The Fiend loses to Goldberg, and he wins the Universal title, and Kohler wins the Universal title. That his next match was against Braun Strowman WrestleMania, he drops the title to Braun Strowman. His next match is against Drew McIntyre. Loses to Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre retains the WWE Championship. And now he's facing Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship. Goldberg, I understand, is on a two-match contract with WWE. He's obligated for two matches per year. So if you have to use him, I understand, but if if he's contractually obligated, but why do you have to put him in fucking championship matches every time? Why? Realistically speaking... Goldberg is in no position to get himself a title match. He's in no position from a kayfabe standpoint. He has lost his last two championship matches. He lost to Braun Strowman and then he lost to Drew McIntyre. He lost to Drew McIntyre earlier this year. If you're going this year alone, he's done nothing to earn a championship match. I get that they want to make SummerSlam this year's WrestleMania. I get that they want to fucking make it the biggest fucking thing they possibly can. I get that. But you could do literally anybody else for Bobby Lashley. Anybody else for Bobby Lashley. Uh, for Excuse me, for SummerSlam. Seriously, why does it have to be Goldberg? You can't have Goldberg do something else or just... Or just here's an idea. Just... Not use Goldberg for once? I know Brock wasn't available, so they didn't use Brock. But seriously, you couldn't have used anybody else? Why not fucking put Keith Lee in that position? Why not give him a a big main event match against Bobby Lashley? I'm not saying Keith Lee has to win, but why don't you use him? Why? Why? But why not use The Fiend? I mean, Wyatt apparently is not going to be coming back to TV for a while. But it's not because of creative issues, but we just don't know the reasoning. Why not use, you know, I get you don't want to use Drew again because Drew, people would be, you know, it's like, hey, Drew's been here a little too long now. So you you could use anybody else. I mean, fucking takes, you could take someone from SmackDown pull them over there. I don't know. You have a draft fucking coming up, but that doesn't even seem to matter with you people at this point. Like, why... Can't you use anybody else? Why do you have to use Goldberg? Why do you have to use Goldberg in a championship match? You call up all these people from NXT? Pull somebody else from NXT that'll be more interesting. Actually, no, don't do that. Don't 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 fucking do that. I don't I don't fucking know, man. Samoa Joe versus Bobby Lashley would be better. Keith Lee versus Bobby Lashley would be better. Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley would be better. Any of those people would be so much better. I mean, you have so many people who are here all the time. Why the fuck are you gonna use Goldberg? I don't know, man. I don't fucking know. I, I just I just can't stand Goldberg. I, I can't stand his whole thing where he ever since last year he's been he's been like in the championship he he effectively ruined the fiend. Helped he helped with the downfall of the fiend and it's just it just it doesn't it just sucks. I get if you're Goldberg, it's like, oh, I'm not going to turn down a championship match, a big money match. I get that from a financial standpoint. I understand that, so don't get me wrong. But my whole thing is why does it have to be Goldberg to face Bobby Lashley? Why can't we put somebody like Keith Lee in there? Why couldn't that have been the start for Keith Lee to fight, to go after the WWE Championship against Bobby Lashley? Why can't we get a long building story with him? I don't know why. But WWE obviously. This is why we cannot have nice things. This is why that the fans are uh, don't give a shit. This is why people are tuning out. This is why nobody wants to watch Raw. This is the reason why. Nobody, nobody, nobody wants to watch Raw or anything else you got going on. Because you do this to your fans. You make the fans feel like we are inferior or like we're stupid and we don't know any better. And that's not right. Why do you think so many people are turning over to AEW? Why? Because they don't insult our intelligence. They don't ins- They don't make us think that we're idiots and we're just going to tune back to this shit every single week. Let me tell you something. Not all of us are going to tune back every single week. Not all of us are. I may be doing a wrestling podcast, but like I said, I only tuned into this episode of Raw because... It was the first Raw to have fans and have them return. That's why I came back to the- I I watched. I still follow pay-per-views, and I can't keep up with NXT, and keep up with SmackDown, because Roman Reigns is still the best thing going on in WWE at the moment. I don't know why you're fucking doing this. I don't know why. Oh, and the fucking god-awful Alexa Bliss uh, fucking segment with Eva Marie and Dewdrop sounds like a Pokemon. Poor Piper Nevin. Just And, and Eva Marie had to fake a, a trip that Lily was doing to, to Eva Marie. So I guess we're going Bliss versus Lily. I, I Bliss versus uh, fucking... Uh, Eva Marie or Lily. I don't fucking know at this point. I really don't know. But I got to say, man. Positives for Raw this week. I mean, Nikki Ash being the champion now is awesome. It's cool. I'm a big fan. I was a big fan of Nikki Cross this guy. Previous gimmick and she's great. She's fantastic and I think props to her because she won the she won Money in the Bank. She won the title the next night because she pitched this champ this, this championship. She pitched this idea to Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon loved it and it's a character she's been working on for a while. So good for her. She she did it and, she, and it's working. How long she's gonna hold the title? I have no idea. But right now she's a champion and I am happy for her. Congratulations, Nicky Ash. wish I could say the rest, about, uh, the rest about Raw. The rest of Raw was a bit of dog shit. But let me get into uh, my favorite parts of Money in the Bank real quickly before we move on to uh, what happened on AEW last night. Real quickly, um, I got to say this Money in the Bank pay-per-view was solid. It was fun. That men's Money in the Bank ladder match, though. Wow. um, Could that have been the best Money in the Bank ladder match we've ever seen from a men's perspective? Possibly. I mean, we have recency bias, but it was amazing. Um, Peacock was having a shit ton of issues, and I was so pissed because all these entrances are happening, and I can't enjoy them. I'm like, mother. Fucker, man. Nakamura's out there, and I can't hear the crowd singing to his theme song. Um, I, this match was so much fun. I mean, there were so many guys. There were so many guys who could have won. I mean, I could have, I, I could have seen Riddle won. I could have seen uh, Seth Rollins or possibly John Morrison. I, I could have seen a lot of guys win this match. Um, but I'm glad I got, (laughs) I'm glad I got it right. I picked Big E to win the Money in the Bank ladder match and Big E won the Money in the Bank ladder match. And it just makes me so happy, man. I love Big E. I I love the singles run he's been on lately. And now to think he could eventually be WWE or universal champion within a year or so or less than that is a really, really great feeling. The uh, I'd have to say like one of my favorite spots in the entire match was when <laughs> John Morrison got the uh the drip stick from Super Soaker and sprayed Nakamura with it. That was one of my favorite funny spots. I mean the the best spot of the night though goes to Ricochet. I mean him going off that ladder, jumping on the top rope, and then flipping, being like fucking Spider Man, and Flipping over everybody and landing on everyone, whereas Riddle, when he knocked Ricochet off, he he even he was amazed. Like, yo, what the fuck? I uh, <laughs> like the whole thing was fantastic. It was absolutely amazing, and I say was probably match of the night for me. Uh, I, I the question is though, who does Biggie cash in on? Does he cash in on Roman Reigns or does he cash in on Bobby Lashley? The story is there for him to cash in on Bobby Lashley um, if he goes over to Raw. Uh, you know, we already have the thing with New Day with uh, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. Um, but at the same time, it would be nice if they could build up Big E to, to be the eventual guy who beats Roman. Even Roman said he thinks Ro- he's Roman. Big E said that Roman's probably the guy right now because he's the, the top guy. He is the one to beat that championship. is the most prestigious right now, the Universal Championship. And it, I the Money in the Bank briefcase is kind of a thing where it's like you're not quite ready. But but it's it's telling the the fans, like, we're going to watch this person. We're going to polish them. We're going to at any moment they could be champion. And with Big E, I think he could be champion within a year or so. I don't know if he's going to beat Roman. Roman could hold on to that title for another year or two. I, I say it all the time. But I think he did, could definitely cash in on Lashley. I could definitely see that. But, um, congratulations to Big E. That was just, that was my favorite match the entire night. Um, Roman Reigns versus Edge for the Universal title. Um, I liked this match. I did. Uh, a lot of people were very, uh, very, uh, pissed off that the match was very slow. In fact, they're calling him Slowman Reigns on the, on Twitter. Roman Reigns and also, People were saying you can't wrestle me. You are you kidding me? Yes, he can. He's had some of the best matches within the past year in WWE. So here are my here are my slight issues with this match. I said before that I didn't want Seth Rollins to get involved in this match and cost Edge the shot the title to win the title, and then just you know that's into their their SummerSlam program. Um. I want, I I knew Seth was gonna come out at some point, but I wish it was like at the main event. I mean the end of the main event is what I mean. I because I don't like that he came in there and just cost Edge the title and it's like, oh no, no this is, like it just it just uh, I didn't like that part about it. I'm excited for Edge versus um versus whatchamacallit, versus versus uh Seth Rollins in SummerSlam. It's gonna be fun, don't get me wrong. But yeah, man, I, I just Roman versus Edge was, was really really well done. I enjoyed it. But the man's money in the bank, though, that was match of the night for me. That was match of the fucking night for me, and I loved it. Um and then we got John Cena returning. Like it's amazing how ten years ago John Cena was being booed in Chicago at Money in the Bank into his match with CM Punk. In a hometown crowd of Chicago for CM Punk, Cena was treated like the villain. Ten years later, the same pay-per-view, CM Punk, uh, CM Punk, John Cena is treated to a chorus of cheers and people are genuinely excited and happy to see him. And I was excited to see him too. I was so happy to see John Cena. I'm like, oh my God, yes, John Cena's here. I, I called it. I, I, I actually, I popped. I was like, oh my God, John Cena. And I never get excited. I ne- I would never get excited for Cena anymore. So I'm happy. I can't wait for SummerSlam. It's going to be a lot of fun. But for now, to close off the podcast, we're going to get into what happened with AEW. Um, let's just go into the big highlights here. So MJF uh, had his first Labor of Jericho with uh, Chris Sean Spears, where if... Sean Spears was allowed to use a chair in the match, but Chris Jericho wasn't. Jericho wins, and then MJF announced that Chris Jericho must face a debuting Nick Gage in a no-DQ match the next week for the second labor of Jericho. Um, That's a big deal. Motherfucking crazy psychopath Nick Gage against Chris Jericho, to which Chris Jericho responded that he's going to be bringing his pain-maker gimmick uh, to AEW next week. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, Miro was saying that he would defend his title in two weeks. Uh, I don't think I mentioned. I love. I really dig Miro's new title uh, design for the TNT title. It's a really <laughs> beautiful design for this thing so far. Um, Doc Gallows had beaten Frank Kazarian, uh, where you know the the elite hunter. known as Frank Kazarian. He was brought down, uh, which later bred uh, to beat up to bring Kenny Omega to bring him to beat him up, which then la- led. Hangman Adam Page and the Dark Order to fight off the Elite, um, and then next week is announced that uh, that the five on five tag team match between the Elite of Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Doc Gallows and Karl Anderson versus Hangman Adam Page, Evil Uno Stu Grayson, and John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Uh, the match is where it says that um, that it's an eliminate five on five elimination tag team match, and every member must be eliminated to win the match. So, I assume it'll come down to Omega Omega, and uh, Paige? Possibly? That's what I think is going to happen. Um, or he'll, he'll fight off at adversity. Um, one of the funniest bits in the entire episode of this episode of Dynamite was Orange Cassidy and Sting doing the little <laughs> doing the little uh, little mini super kicks and in, in the pot hand pockets, that was fucking hilarious. Uh, when Darby Allen was having his match against uh, Wheeler Yuda, uh, the protege of the best friends I see. Um, Andrade had a uh, had a in ring promo segment where he announced that Chavo Guerrero was his uh executive executive consultant manager whatever. Uh, Andrade calls out Death Triangle and he wants to know why uh. Penta and uh, Phoenix work for pack and packs like they don't work for me we're a family they don't work for anyone and, Pan- and Pentagon says that they would never work for Andrade as he isn't even on their level um I'm liking this how this story is playing out so far uh, it's just Andrade hasn't really done anything of like really big notable things uh, for uh, for me to get really my really invested. Uh, for this. I'm sure we'll get into a bit of a few with Death Triangle and Pac. I'm sorry, Death Triangle and Andrade very soon, uh, because the matches between Phoenix and Andrade, Penta and Andrade, Pac and Andrade, oh my god, just shut up and take my money. Can't fucking wait for it. Um, next week, I think the following um, uh, August 4th, uh, we're going to be having Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black. Uh, interestingly enough, that they're doing this match on a Dynamite, and they're not doing it for All Out. Um, I'd much rather do that, but hey, you just made your decision for you AEW. And the main event of the show saw Lance Archer defeat John Moxley for the IWGP United States Championship uh, in his hometown. Isn't that amazing? Really? Th- they <laughs> they actually. Gave Archer a win over Moxley in his hometown. And this match is brutal, too. They are fucking using forks and piercing them into their fucking foreheads, too. Moxley had two tables set on the outside of the ring. He also had some tables with some uh, barbed wire attached to them. It looked like he was going to hit the paradigm shift where Lord Archer just fucking powerbombs Moxley. And Lance Archer is your new IWGP United States champion. And he will face uh, Hickolo... If I said the said that correctly, I probably didn't. Uh, for the IWGP US title next week on Dynamite. So Lance Archer has kind of been being doing hit or miss things in AEW. Uh, I'm glad that he is um, that he won the title. It is a New Japan t- uh, Championship, however, it's still a championship in AEW, and he is um, and, and Lance Archer is in a much better spot right now than he was late, late you know, the past year or so. Um, I'd say overall, I really enjoyed this episode of AEW Dynamite. Uh, the news of CM Punk and Deanna Bryan coming in is a really much bigger news than uh, what happened. But it's still very interesting to see. Uh, I guess a few bits of news that we also have here is that the Ilya Dragunov and Walter match for the UK, t- UK title that was supposed to happen will now be happening at NXT TakeOver 36. I guess that's what they're calling the uh, TakeOver, the, ni- the night after SummerSlam. We also, uh, Thunder Rosa has officially signed with AEW. Uh, I always thought she was, but I guess you, her contract with the NWA just kind of went away. and Now she's with AEW officially. Uh Switchblade Jay White showed up at Slammiversary this past weekend, and now he is here with his uh, IWGP uh, Never Open Weight. Ch- uh, sorry, is it the IWGP? Or is it never Open Weight? I don't fucking know, guys. It's very late as I'm doing this. But Jay White got himself a member of the Bullet Club. On Impact, Chris Bay defeated uh, Ryo Hit Raju. Backstage, Jay White tries to recruit Bay to join the Bullet Club. Bay says he walks alone. Switchblade asks him how well did he do uh, at Slamversary. Switchblade says his offer is expiration date. So decide soon. That was on TV. That was literally on TV of last night. Uh, I was on doing this. But Chris Bay, spoiler alerts if you didn't want to hear this, but Chris Bay has joined Bullet Club. Chris Bay is in Bullet Club, and the they are doing the TV tapings for Impact right now, and he has joined Bullet Club, uh, which is great. Now, now Bullet Club is um, gone into the whole thing with it's—it's it's the AEW effect, guys. It is the AEW effect. Um, Chris Bay—I've seen some things here and there for him. Great high flyer, great in ring, uh, great in ring, and a, a great addition to the Bullet Club. Uh, that was a big noteworthy thing there is to talk about uh is to talk about uh Switchblade Jay White now in Impact Wrestling as a New Japan ch- as holding a New Japan Pro Wrestling Championship. Um very very excited. Um I would say overall this week was very eventful to say the least. It was very very eventful. Um Obviously, the big thing we talked about with CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, seemingly getting ready to sign and have put pen to paper for, A- for AEW. I can't fucking wait, man. I can't wait for the next few weeks, next few months of AEW Dynamite and AEW uh, pay-per-views and all this fun shit, man. I can't fucking wait. So, I guess with that being said, that'll do it for this episode of The Not another wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys so much for uh, listening to this episode. Thank you to my best friend Ed for coming on the podcast and talking about Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. Um, if you guys would like to follow us here, support us, uh, follow us at, at TNAWP on Twitter, uh, The Knockin' The Wrestling Podcast on Instagram. Uh, please be sure to leave us a five-star review in your favorite podcast app, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, whatever your favorite podcast app might be. Write a review. It really helps with the, the feedback and the analytics we get for this show. Uh, much, much appreciated to you guys. Um, so I'm very, very excited uh, for what's going to be happening soon. Uh, please be sure, also, if you're a Marvel nerd and a Star Wars nerd, please be listening to Fan Speculation, my other podcast that I have. Uh, my buddy Vinny and I, my co host Vinny Carini, we just uh, talked about how WandaVision and Loki's endings could be connected together. Uh, a TikToker re- re- recently found out that fact, and it is true. And, you know, there's more news about Spider Man and No Way Home and a whole bunch of other fun shit. Uh, Please be sure to be listening to all of that. And coming up very soon, we have a very special guest on the podcast. So please keep your eyes peeled and your Twitter for notifications on when this person arrives. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. Once again, follow us at TNAWP on Twitter, the 9 of the Wrestling Podcast on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at CJ underscore 1214. You can follow me on Instagram at CJ underscore 1293. Thank you guys all so much for listening to this episode of The Nuts, another wrestling podcast. I've been CJ Palmasano, and we'll see you next time.